0: Heart, do. FYI, the current recording studio is all hard surfaces, and there is a lot of outside noises. So, this gonna the audio's you know it, it's gonna not be the same. But I'm gonna do my best to keep the echo and outside noises to a minimum, as well as the loud ass air conditioning system here. But it's going to be something that we're going to have to live with for the time being but let's get to the fun stuff and let's begin with jujitsu a movie which has a 2.9 out of 10 on imdb a 27% approval rating from the critics but almost a 70% approval rating from the audience so that's rather confusing The movie starts off mid-fight and has some subpar CGI. All in all, the introduction to this movie is about five minutes long, which is probably about four minutes too long. I'm going to now just kind of rattle through my notes with little explanation here. The movie straight up quote-unquote pukes out exposition during a comical interpreter situation. And think projectile vomit, not baby spit up. I do not understand the comic book storytelling element being used in this movie. I felt that the first big action sequence was riddled with errors. There was a lot, lot of slow motion used. It was long, dragged out, and there was a lot of clear choreography. I was not impressed by the camera techniques used, in fact, I disliked them. And there was a lot of the bad guys coming at people one by one instead of ganging up on them. Then, finally, halfway through the movie, Nick Cage was introduced. Around this time, I noted that almost everything in the movie felt like filler, there is a head injury, which is simply an excuse for more expository dialogue. The movie spends so much time trying to get us caught up on the convoluted plot that they are now, and clearly at the point of me writing this note, I I believe we're in the third act, maybe deep into the second act, but They are just now attempting to explain the main plan, what the third act will be or is, and as I originally wrote, quote-unquote, as we go, which is what makes me suspect that we're already in the third act, and they are just explaining this as we go. Then my next two notes were obviously post-movie. One, it's never good when a character has to explain in dialogue why or what the resolution of a movie means two the translator character was okay as a comedic relief my friend tony he gave the movie a five out of ten i don't know what i gave it but it was probably more like a three or four out of ten clearly i don't think it's a good movie i don't recommend it but i'm not going to say that it is utterly useless to me, the movie is very clearly a Predator ripoff, and it has a very two thousands vibe. Think movies like Alien versus Predator. It, it really felt like a movie of that time period and genre. I probably would have been on board with a five out of ten, had it not been for the derpiest Alien ever. I actually, for the most part, liked the design of the Alien in this movie. Tony didn't, except for this little detail that I will never understand the artistic decision behind. So, Brax, the alien, has a mask of sorts, which typically looks like it is filled with a cloud, if I'm recalling that correctly. However, oftentimes Brax decides to show its face, but I believe the face is supposed to be a projection of a face or of Brax's face, but they like widescreened it. Think of when you take a movie or a game that's in a 4 by 3 ratio and then you use the widescreen feature and everything just gets warped as it spreads across a wider screen than it was intended for. It's like they felt the contour of the alien's mask or face, whatever, required for the projection to get warped. All it does is make the alien look funny and derpy as heck instead of being threatening. In a time when there is so much serious content out there, this movie is a bright light of stupid. So, if you decide to watch it, lower your expectations, grab some popcorn, and be ready to be mildly entertained. Now... I'm going to run through some of what I was looking forward to or planning to inform you of that was coming out new to streaming services in the second half of April. On Disney+, Plus, Adventures in Wonderland came out recently. It is a live-action slash puppet musical produced for television in the early, mid, early to mid-90s and is based on the novels Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. This series as a whole has an 8.1 on IMDb, so I would imagine this is a property that some people will be looking forward to revisiting. And if singing puppets is your thing, maybe it's worth a go. Up next on Disney Plus is DuckTales Season 3. Enough said, if you know, you know. And I also watched a couple of episodes of the new Mighty Ducks series. I wrote that it was
1: essentially what you would expect, and that... For the younger generations, I think it will definitely suffice as a solid show that has a very similar heart to the source material. Does it hit some stuff too on the nose? Maybe, but it's not distracting. For anyone who has never seen Mighty Ducks, they would never catch the show's winks and nods to the original movies.
0: I do actually intend to finish the season at some point when, you know, when I'm in the mood for some easy-watching, feel-good television. On HBO Max, I've got two, The Artist, which is a 2011 movie, which some pretty great scores, Um, it has some pretty great scores on the internet's. It's a romance drama, and it probably would qualify as quality content. Looney Tunes, cartoons, seasons, season 1D. And from what I gathered at the time, there was not much information about it. Uh, These are new Looney Tunes episodes, so that's neat. Let's move over to Netflix. We've got um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Always. All right. First is going to be The Master, which is a movie from 2012. It's rated R. It is a drama. It is Philip Seymour Hoffman's last project before his untimely death. I've seen it, and I thought it was very good, but not great. I'd watch the trailer if I were you in order to help determine if it is something that you might like. Synchronic, 2019. A rated R drama, sci-fi, thriller, the one or two times that I've been on Netflix in the past month, I've noticed this was getting some advertising, so it's definitely something that I have interest in seeing. Similarly, Stowaway from 2021 is a Netflix original with both Anna Kendrick and Tony Collette, which is quite the mashup of actresses. It's a sci-fi thriller. I have hope. Shadow and Bone, season one, a Netflix original series, it is supposed to be one of their biggest series debuts for the entirety of 2021 and I will be giving that show a try this very evening. Things heard and seen. I'm going to skip what I wrote on this. Haley says it sucks. The internet overall says it sucks. Um, I don't have any further plans now to watch it. Originally I was kind of excited because Amanda Seaford's in it. Um, I like a lot of what you know, her, I guess, profile, uh, profile. Uh, well, not that bad either, but I like a lot of the projects that she's been involved in over her career. Too bad. And with all of those heavy sci-fi and critically acclaimed movies and such, why not take it easy and watch something like The Mitchells vs. The Machines, which is a Sony animation. So hit and miss with Sony, but... There's stuff's like almost always mindless, so I, I felt comfortable saying that. It is a PG-rated comedy. And I'm about to look up the reviews. What they look like so far. That's me fake typing. Uh, so, the reviews are ridiculously high. Uh, I did not expect that. Apparently... The Mitchells vs. The Machines is definitely worth a view. So, let's move on to Amazon Prime, where I've got one suggestion, which is Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. At the time I wrote that, this movie is an Amazon original movie. So, 2021, obviously. I don't even know what that... I just read that sentence straight away, and I don't know what I was trying to type there. But it is R-rated... It is an action adventure thriller, which is, you know, true of all of Tom Clancy's material. It sounds like it's a very simple storyline that we've all seen and enjoyed several times in our lives. It's a,
1: a Navy SEAL is on a mission to avenge his wife's murder, but soon finds himself in a larger conspiracy.
0: Since the time that I, um, you know, originally wrote up all these suggestions and whatnot, I found out that an artist that I truly love, not that I sit and listen to their music regularly, if you know the artist, you probably would understand why, but it is an artist from Iceland, and he did the score for this movie. So I'm 100% going to give this movie a watch, simply because I'm very excited to see what he did. Jonzi Jonsi is the artist. He has a very unique sound, and I was introduced to that sound actually through his band... Sigur Ross, which I'm more familiar with the band than Jonesy uh, himself originally I was introduced to a song that was on a Netflix show which is called Sense8 which unfortunately really had a, um, one good seasons season one and it was canceled after season two season two was just basically a, an orgy for the entire season so go watch season one and then pretend like it got canceled right there Up next are going to be some thoughts on the not so new anymore Netflix series Sky Rojo, which I watched and completed. The following is all that I wrote because when I viewed this, I did have plans to record something the very next day. This would be, you know, the very next day is when I uh, procrastinated.
1: By the end of episode four is when it starts to get pretty darn fun with the back and forth of the chase going on a bit
0: dumb, the girls can't seem to figure out how they are being tracked, and there are plenty of other plot contrivances that went on along the way of this
1: series. Not to mention how quickly and how well Romeo heals from his wounds.
0: The same automobile that couldn't outrun a big ambulance, van ambulance, like a European ambulance, is able to catch up to a motorcycle? Mm, No. There's a lot of O's when I wrote that. So those four things were what I had wrote at the time. So we're going to go off memory from here on forward. This show did not meet my expectations. I've mentioned how much I love the creator of the show's other property, which um, I'm sure he's got more than just two, but that I've seen, which is Money Heist, a.k.a. La Casa de Papel. And a lot of what I loved about that show Is that it seemed very well planned out and like there was a heavy hand with the details. Unfortunately, the show was not the same as you can tell from some of those notes. All in all, it was a very mixed bag for me. It took a few episodes to truly grab my interest, and then once it had my interest, there was a lot that I had to look past. But I definitely enjoyed aspects of the show, it was entertaining. I'd toss it a 3 out of 5 while holding my hand out in front of me, spread fingers, and tilting it back and forth in a borderline iffy plus or minus kind of gesture. Now let's get to some movies from HBO Max. Uh, Kong vs. Godzilla. I did not write anything down, at least not that I found, so I'm going off memory here completely. Um, first of all, I, I literally could not have cared any less. I couldn't have cared less. Uh, for about one third of the plot, um, or the story, uh, line in this movie, it, it didn't feel like it added anything. Sorry, Eleven. Then, there's a, another third of the movie that was so-so. The sci-fi aspect of this movie was totally bonk, just infuriatingly inaccurate, impossible, all the above. Not that we couldn't argue that for some of the other ones, but someone explained to me why there's a sun in the middle of the Earth. You know, we're just going to ignore the fact that middle of the Earth. And that that's just the tip of the iceberg for all of those kind of sci-fi fantasy details issues. And then there was the monster stuff, which was what I came for and I largely enjoyed. I personally liked Godzilla King of the Monsters more, and here is why. I enjoyed the diversity and the look of the fights more than I did in this movie. I do give this movie points for having fights in the daylight instead of always being in the dark. The stupid human storyline in King of the Monsters was the one-third of this movie that was the worst, and truth be told, was really no better than it was in that movie. All in all, as a popcorn flick, as a big monster movie, as a movie that came out on a streaming service primarily, it could have been much worse, and I felt that I got my money's worth, which was nothing. But I can honestly say, I enjoyed it enough. The depth deaf girl in this movie who is deaf in real life as well did an amazing job and she is truly the only reason that one third of the human element in this movie was tolerable she did amazing in a sea of fine acting i don't know that anyone did a poor job of acting in this movie that was not this movie's issue lastly i'd like to note one artist Element that I caught on to, and that is how the filmmakers treated King Kong. Right off the bat, they 1000% humanize him as a character. In the opening scene of the movie, we see Kong as he wakes up just like a human. Probably, I don't remember, maybe scratches his eyes, but then he gives his rear end a big old scratch just like we've all seen a million times in comedies uh, from the human characters, of course. And I wish I could recall more examples, but I just, I can't. If you're someone who likes to enjoy the little things that filmmakers do in movies, that is an element you can keep an eye on and enjoy for no other reason than the hows and the whys of it. I think the why should immediately be clear to you, like right now, even if you haven't seen the movie. For me, this movie was about a 6.5 out of 10. Pretty much on par with Kong Skull Island and a little bit below Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I think at the time I kind of gave a 7 out of 10. I I have not seen the first movie in this universe, so can't give that a score. Up next would be Mortal Kombat! That was weak. I will have to revisit the movie to do an official review someday, but I'm not in a huge rush to do that. I missed out on the big media craze by now anyways. As I suspected, the main character was pretty lame, and I don't understand why they did that. There are reasons, and other reviewers have spoken on those reasons. I just don't think it was a wise move. I do not think that the CGI is going to hold up very well. It's almost as if they purposefully tried to pay homage to some of the bad aspects of the first movies, that goes for more than just the CGI. I felt that throughout much of this movie. I, honest to God, feel that they purposefully pulled or used inspiration from quite a few elements out of the first two movies, possibly more so from the second movie. Elements that are not looked favorably upon and never have been looked favorably upon. Convince me that this tattoo thing is, like, much different than the tattoo thing in the second movie. Please, this movie is the best movie out of the major three Mortal Kombat movies, I think. I guess stay tuned for that answer from my real review, which, did I say, may not be for some time. Now, I've dogged the movie a fair bit here. I still flippin' enjoyed it. I hope that they will be able to expand upon this movie. I know that it is in their plans. Unfortunately, that is very evident from the movie itself, which is never seems to work out well. Think Avatar. 3.7 out of 5 on my personal scale is roughly where I would put it. Go watch it if you haven't, if for no other reason, so that we can get more of this. Mortal Kombat holds a place in my heart, and I will happily gobble up most of the schlock that they try to serve me. Let's move on to a little movie called The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Story time. My mother loves the Me channel, M-E channel, or whatever iteration that it may be these days. So, seeing the Andy Griffith show while I was down here with my parents and seeing some of Barney Fife's acting, a.k.a. Don Knotts' acting, reminded me of just how unique of an actor that Don was. In some areas, he did things that few actors can portray in such a manner as he did, and I think a lot of that really came down to committing. Uh, my parents, surprisingly, n- not much for movies, and they are not easy to convince to sit down and watch a movie with, but me being me, I really enjoy getting that time together to watch a movie with my family from time to time, when I can convince them, so I remembered this movie that I saw a long time ago. I am quite sure that would have been while I was in like middle school. Um, And I remembered enjoying the movie. That movie was 1966's film, or a film from 1966, The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. It is 90 minutes long on the dot, currently it's not free anywhere that i have access to at least but for a low price of three or four dollars you can rent it on amazon prime probably purchase it for the same price it is quite beautifully digitally remastered at least i'm like 99 percent sure that it was digitally remastered and i once again enjoyed it maybe my memory of john knots acting was a bit romantic but then again this was a small example of his work and i'd have to watch more of his work to truly determine if he was a special special actor or just a one note actor who betrayed this character that has a combination of weak and nervous and scared and goofy and lovable all rolled into one really really well the ghost of mr chicken has a 7.3 out of 10 on imdb and a 75% positive rating from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. I will happily give it a strong 7 out of 10, and suggest that the next time this movie is available for free, you take advantage of it and give it a watch. It's a good, wholesome movie, good, wholesome entertainment that I think the entire family can enjoy together. Up next is the movie The New Mutants. It's not very good, I didn't pay very close attention to the movie and that is the movie's fault. 1.8 out of 5, I guess. I don't know if that might be generous. Up next, Q Into the Storm. Uh, Both of these last two are HBO uh, HBO Max. Q Into the Storm is a mini doc about QAnon. I felt that it was as unbiased of a product as you could expect. i I've watched several QAnon docs and feel pretty strongly about that from what I've seen. They could have called it QAnon 101, like History 101. The first several episodes really treated it as if the audience knows nothing about QAnon, so there's a lot of history and education going on through the early portion of this series. I think QAnon believers, if they were honest about it, would agree with me and largely not be too offended by any portrayals put forth in this miniseries. As I spoke about in part one of this episode, communication understanding can go a very long way in this world, and I personally didn't feel like the show put forth too much personal opinion from the creator. Of course, it does not praise QAnon, and yes, some of the personal views do seep through at times, but all in all, I felt it was a pretty fair and unbalanced introduction to this story, which leads up to the events that occurred on January 6th. Sensationalism was mostly minimal, and I would recommend this series. Up next is going to be Persona, the dark truth behind personality tests, also from HBO Max. You can tell a lot of this was while I was babysitting the little puppy. Alright, so Persona, the dark truth behind personality tests. I was busy doing some other stuff while I had this show on, It was not exactly what I was expecting, not that I knew what I was expecting going in. Um, The show was a little bit, I want to say political, but that's not really correct verbiage. It was was a little messagey, but it was also interesting for me and educational as well. I don't recall if the show speaks about anything other than the Myers-Briggs test. Like, specifically that test instead of all personality tests. I don't recall much else. But I do recommend the series. I would just list it under educational instead of, like, entertainment. I'd say corporate America should see this, but I'm pretty sure as a whole, as the corporate machine, they know. Episode 3 of Messing With Media... As I've previously talked, I I think it's already recorded. Uh, I I just need to edit it. I I really don't recall and I haven't checked yet. I'm focused on getting this new content out before I go back into some of my recordings of recent and figure out what the heck I have done and haven't done. But here are five pieces of entertainment that you can expect when I do end up editing that episode. First is going to be the Block Island Sound. Second, Kid 90. Third, Coming to America, spelled T-W-O. Fourth, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. And then lastly, it's going to be Just in Time. I hope I didn't just list that in any order that was important. (laughs) I don't know. And um, I also have a request to do a review on a movie based on a book. Called the woman in the window which is a netflix original i will try to get to that before i begin working on my june stuff speaking of get ready to return to crystal lake my horror fans other than that to wrap things up from the first part of this episode by the time you hear this i will have received my first vaccine shot which puts me pretty close to searching for a job down here so you know closer so I should have some downtime to get a few things done ahead of time for this podcast before really getting to grinding into everything else that's involved with my move down here. I need to figure out what my budget will be, which basically means food and quality enough shelter that I don't have to live with the roaches. Hopefully that means part-time work so that I can put as much effort possible into this podcast as well and some of my future plans with a potential shift onto YouTube. Lots of ideas. Unfortunately, I don't have as much in my savings as I was expecting with my dental issues. So, some of that is back on the back burner for now. I figure there's enough new shit going on in life. Maybe I shouldn't push too hard right away. Until next time, I love you, you love you, and take care, your asshats. Peace.